0: Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: Real love is calling. Truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Absence does not make the heart grow fonder. Not not in general terms. And and your walk with the Lord, if you're not spending time with Him. And I don't mean this in a legalistic sense. I mean this in just a relational uh, sense. If you're not taking time reading your Bibles and praying, you're, you're, you're gonna, there's going to be distance. And absence is not going to make your heart grow fonder towards the Lord. So read, read your Bibles. Take, take the Word of God and, and take time consistently to read God's Word. Are
0: you reading your Bible daily? Or have you let other things take priority over spending time with God? It can be easy to let the tasks of your day fill up your time. And if you aren't making it a priority to spend time in God's Word, then it's easy to put it aside and do other things. Today, Pastor Gary will encourage you to spend time daily in God's Word and in prayer. If you aren't already doing this, he will give you some suggestions on how to incorporate this important habit into your daily routine. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Nahum as he continues his message, Withstanding the Test of Time.
1: God turned from his mercy in the book of Jonah to his wrath here in the book of Nahum. And he brings judgment on the Ninevites. Now, for those who think that God should have been more merciful to to these people here, I want to ask a couple questions. How long does God have to be patient with us? How long is long enough? How long can we continue to toy with God and get away with it? At some point, you see, though he is a merciful God, abounding in love and mercy, he will not let wickedness go unpunished. He gave Nineveh a chance. There were people who responded and repented and turned to God, but less than four generations later, and now people have forsaken God and turned their backs on him. And so we need to understand that within the character and nature of God is both mercy and justice. In Romans chapter 11, verse 22, Paul writes, therefore consider the goodness and severity of God. The NIV says, consider the kindness and the sternness of God. He is both kind and stern. He is both merciful and just. He is both good and severe. And he will not allow wickedness to go unpunished forever. And time is up for Nineveh. Now, Our story raises a couple of theological questions, and and I'm just going to address really one of them before I move on to the practical part and how all this applies to our lives. But theologically speaking, the question becomes, since God knows all things and since he knew that the Ninevites would eventually turn on him and forsake him, why send Jonah in the first place to begin with? I mean, really, if if God knew that these people are going to have a temporary revival, but then a few generations later, uh, they're going to turn their backs on God, why even bother? Well, in answer to that question, first, this is important to understand. God does not show mercy dependent upon man staying true to God. God shows us mercy for his own name's sake. The Bible says in Isaiah 48, 9, for my name's sake, I will defer my anger and for my praise, I will restrain it from you. In Ezekiel 20, verse 44, then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have dealt with you for my name's sake, not according to your wicked ways, nor according to your corrupt doings, O house of Israel, says the Lord God. David understood this he would write in Psalm one oh nine twenty one, but you, O God the Lord, deal with me for your name's sake, because your mercy is good, deliver me. See, David even understood, I gotta call on the mercy of God, but I can't expect that I deserve anything, because it's for his name's sake that he does what he does. He's a merciful God. If God's mercy was dependent upon my deserving of it, your deserving of it, or how well we persevered in it, we would never receive his mercy. God gives us mercy, not dependent or contingent on us, but on the basis of his own namesake. He says, because I so choose to love, because I so choose to be gracious, because I so choose to be merciful. And then he lavishes his grace and his mercy and his love on us. But it's not because we've done something or we're so deserving or we're so special or or we're so good at persevering through what God has given us. We are often unfaithful, ungrateful people, sinful to the core. And yet God says, but in my mercy, I will go after you and I will pursue you and I love you. And this is what he does. So he doesn't withhold his mercy because he knows that in the long run, the Ninevites are going to turn on him. He's merciful for his own namesake. And this is another another important point in answering the question. Even though there was a generation that Nahum addresses of the Ninevites that have forsaken God and they will incur the wrath of God and the judgment of God, there were a couple of generations earlier who had turned to the Lord who very well will see in heaven. So thank God that he did not have some cavalier attitude towards the Ninevites and just like, well, you know, I know that you're going to eventually turn from me, so why even give you a chance? No, because then otherwise all of us would be doomed. He determines to show his mercy to people that are often so undeserving because that's how God operates. Romans 5 verse 8. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad that God didn't wait for you to get your act together before he decided to show mercy to you? I am. Yeah. Praise God. Give him praise for that because that's who he is. He acts on our behalf without any dependence upon us. So what I want us to focus on in the the few minutes we have left are in a practical sense, how can we sustain our walk with God over time? Because again, time can be our enemy. And, and just getting complacent and a little apathetic, a little lazy about our walk with the Lord, and before you know it, we're not walking with Him. Now, I've got to be honest with you, when I'm preparing for this study and I think about how in four generations, the Ninevites now had forsaken the Lord and turned their backs on Him. And I looked at my own family, and we have four generations who are living, my parents are still living, and then of course me, and then my kids, and then now they're having kids. And this summer, we, we have a couple more grandkids due, we're going to have five grandkids by this summer. I, I know, I don't look old enough, thank you, Lord. Uh, but, but anyhow... Um, and I started thinking, so my, my parents are believers, and, uh, and, and, and now let me be careful in saying this, because, you know, you can never just pass on your faith. You have to own it yourself. You can't just inherit, you know, faith, right? But you can be influenced and I'm thankful for my, the influence. So my parents influenced me in the Lord, and we, Terry and I influenced our kids for the Lord, and they're influencing their kids for the Lord, right? So you have four generations who are walking with the Lord, but, but what struck me in, in preparing this, it would be the equivalent of my parents walking with the Lord, but then my grandkids, who are were, who were living right now and about to be born, have forsaken Him. In that short amount of time, People have gone from revival to ruin. That's what happens here between Jonah and Nahum. And so it's challenging to me. What, what, are some, what are some reasons why people just were once walking in such a close relationship with the Lord? Again, it's a very similar thing to what happens often in marriages. How can you go from being so in love and excited about the relationship? Now, I get it. There can be a lot of hurt, betrayal, infidelity, all that stuff that accumulates and then you know explains a lot of reasons why marriages fall apart but there's also this unexplained thing of just over time we drifted apart and how tragic that is not just in a marriage but in our walk with the lord well over time i just i just drifted away from the lord now he'll never leave you nor forsake you but how is it possible that this that this happens it happens i'm going to offer to you three threats that i think Threaten our sustained walk with the Lord. The first one for you note takers is this beware of busyness. Beware of busyness. You know, we live in Loudoun County. We live in a very um, busy metropolitan area um, in the heart of Washington, D.C., and there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of busyness. Um, you're, you're working hard. You got the kids involved in, in every kind of, of sport. And even when the season is over, you're going to go on travel league during, you know, the, the off season and, and, and all those things are fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. We had our kids in, in sports too, and all that good stuff. I'm just saying that we have to be super careful because we're living in a place that breeds busyness and it is a relationship killer. It's a relationship killer on every level. But talking about now our walk with the Lord, we need to recognize important things are worth your time. You prioritize what you love, don't you? We should. And God has given us each the same 24-hour period every single day. So the question becomes, how do you discipline yourself for the best use of that time, and what part of that day does God get? Because when you look at the average day and you think to yourself, okay, I've got my work schedule and then I got my workout schedule and then I have some, you know, fun time, maybe a little golf here or aerobics or whatever, whatever you might be into. And then of course you have your regular schedule, your, your eating schedule and your sleep schedule. And then, you know, you have, I don't know, this is kind of a more modern phenomenon, a little me time. I don't know where that came from. Like me time. Okay. Whatever that is. But, but where's God time in all of that? So we're doing all these things, but where's God time in all of that? Whoever came up with that saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder, does not know what they're talking about. Absence does not make the heart grow fonder. Maybe, maybe for short little tiny periods of time. Well, a couple of days, you know, you're separated from somebody you love, and, and a couple of days. Oh, I miss you. I miss you too. I miss you too. You know, all that kind of eh, whatever. And uh, <laughs> they haven't been married very long, but, uh, <laughs> but 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 long protracted periods of time when you're separated from somebody. Absence does not make the heart grow fonder. Absence makes the heart grow yonder. It's like I'm leaving. It's like, I'm yonder, I'm over here. And I've begun to even like my independence and I don't really need you as much anymore. And so when we don't spend time with somebody we love, and in this context, obviously, the Lord, we, we we feel a disconnect. We don't feel a dependence upon God. Over a long period of time, we start to feel an independence from God. This, by the way, is why, you know, praise God for you military families, but but you know the pressures more than anybody else. when When you're deployed for long periods of time, the re-entry back to your family is very difficult. And so absence does not make the heart grow fonder, not, not in general terms. And, and your walk with the Lord, if you're not spending time with him, and I don't mean this in a legalistic sense, I mean this in just a relational uh, sense. If you're not taking time reading your Bibles and praying, you're, you're, you're gonna, there's going to be distance. And absence is not going to make your heart grow fonder towards the Lord. So read, read your Bibles. Take take the Word of God and and take time consistently to read God's Word. Now. I want to be careful to say consistently, I don't want to be legalistic about it. I, I know we, we tend sometimes to have ambitious goals, and and like you, you know, I remember one year saying to myself, okay, it's the beginning of a new year, I'm going to make a new year's resolution, I'm going to get one of those uh, a one-year Bibles. You've seen those one-year Bibles where you can, through through the Bible in a year, and you can start every single day, there's a marked out passage of a few chapters from the Old Testament and new, so that over the course of, of a year, if you stick to it, you're going to get through the whole Bible in a year. And then, does this happen to you like around, uh, say, January 18th or 19th? (laughs) And, and you're like two or three days behind and you're like, ah, forget this, you know? And then you just put the Bible on the shelf and you're not in God's word at all. So I would rather suggest to you that the key is consistency and regularity rather than putting unnecessary, unrealistic, legalistic expectations on ourselves and say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna get through the Bible every single day. Great, if you do that, God bless you. I'm not discouraging you in that regard. I'm just simply saying it would be better to be consistent and in his word a few times a week than to get discouraged because you failed the daily reading program and not read it at all. So just be consistent, but get into God's word. We need the word of God to get into our hearts and into our lives. And may I suggest this too? When you read the scripture, it, it suggests to us the best time to get God's word in your heart to seek him is in the morning. David David would write in, in uh, Psalm uh, 5, verses 1, 2, 3. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. Let me tell you why this is a helpful practice. You're going to feel the crush of your day. So you need to guard your heart and your mind in the Lord and and to be steeled in your soul with the word of God. So you can go on and face a day and realize that, you know, whatever happens, you've already been mentally and spiritually prepared. Your heart has been prepared by the word of God to face whatever the day might bring. It's important if we can carve some time out in the morning to spend time with the Lord. Jesus sets a beautiful example for us in Mark chapter 135 where it says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. Before daylight, our Lord went out and sought the Father in the morning. And times of prayer Sometimes just sitting with a cup of coffee, just unhurried, just still before the Lord, just praying and listening. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. But spend time with Him. Absence does not make the heart grow fonder. We need our time with the Lord. Number two, another threat we have to beware of is to beware of what I call culture creep and worldly ways. Okay, there are going to be some things in the culture that are going to try to rob you of your your walk with the Lord. I can't emphasize this enough. Everything about the culture and the world is trying to put distance between you and God. Worse than that, everything about the culture and the world is trying to conform you into its pattern, its mindset, its values, its behavior. And not only has the culture over time become more evil in practice and belief, You cannot serve the world and the Lord at the same time. You cannot. John writes in 1 John 2, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So he's talking, John's talking about longevity, sustaining your walk with the Lord, and the world is going to do everything it can to rob you of that. Romans twelve two reminds us, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The culture will drive a wedge between you and God, and you're going to have to make a decision because you can't serve them both. Let me illustrate it to you this way. In 1999, the lighthouse in Cape Hatteras, North Carolina, had to be relocated because originally when that lighthouse was built in 1869, it was a half mile off of the, the coast. But over time, over time, the coast has eroded and the water has come in closer. And now the lighthouse, well, in 1999, instead of being a half mile off of the coast in 1869. By 1999, the lighthouse was only 160 feet off of the coast. And so there was a massive effort by the Army Corps of Engineers to relocate the lighthouse another half mile inland. And you see that dirt path at, you know, going uh, towards the top of the screen, that was the path that they had prepared to relocate. So they had to move it, and so the Army Corps of Engineers developed this very elaborate rail system where they just hoisted the thing up. This, it, the the uh, lighthouse in Cape Hatteras is forty eight hundred tons. It's one hundred and ninety three feet tall. It's the tallest lighthouse in the United States. They relocated it, pushing it on these rails another half a mile. I just read another article that said they might have to relocate it yet again. Why? Because over time, the sand had eroded the foundation. And this is what we need to do when culture encroaches. Now, by that, I I hesitated using this illustration because I don't want anyone to think, oh, so when the culture encroaches like the ocean encroaches, we have to retreat. That's not the message. The illustration I'm trying to make is that the encroachment of the water threatened the foundation of the lighthouse. And the lighthouse, had it not been relocated to more solid ground, it would eventually get swept into the ocean. That is what is happening in our world. The encroachment of the culture threatens the very foundation upon which our lives are built. So we have to take time once in a while to evaluate and to adjust and to make sure we're still on solid ground. We have to examine our footings. Is Christ the solid rock upon which our lives are built? Or have we become more like the world, talk like the world, look like the world, behave like the world? If that is true, then we run the risk of being swept into the ocean of culture. And we have to be mindful of these things. That old hymn, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, All Other Ground is Sinking Sand. Last one, number three, beware of counterfeit substitutes that offer fulfillment in place of God. In John chapter 4, I think one, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is an encounter that Jesus has with this woman at the well. She's a Samaritan woman. He engages her in conversation. He has sent his disciples into town to get food. He's left alone for this divine appointment. This is not accidental. This is a divine appointment. In the course of the conversation with this woman, Jesus gives her a directive. And he says to her, Go call your husband. Now, the statement seems out of left field, but he's saying it for a reason because he's going to get to the core of her heart. And she answers him by saying, I have no husband. And he says, You are correct in saying that, for the fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now, number six, is not your husband. You see, in that case, this woman was trying to find fulfillment for the deepest longing of her soul, and in her case, she went from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship, trying to find that inner satisfaction, that inner peace. But see, I'm going to make a statement here that some people would balk at, and they'd be like, oh, come on, you know, you're just over-spiritualizing things. No, I truly mean this. The greatest and deepest, deepest longings of your soul can only and ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus. And people will go in search of all kinds of things without the Lord trying to find that satisfaction and fulfillment. And they'll try, you know, illicit sexual relationships. They'll they'll try multiple relationships that maybe it's money, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's fame, maybe it's success. And they'll go in search of all kinds of things trying to find satisfaction. But in the words of another not so well-known minor prophet, Mick Jagger, I can't get no satisfaction. I try and I try and I try and I try, I can't get no. What, that song is basically about all these different adventures, and still not satisfied. Why? Because the deepest longing of the human soul can only be satisfied in Jesus. And if you think that other things and sources and means will bring fulfillment to you besides the Lord, over time, you will drift from him. Be careful. Blaise Pascal, the 17th century French physicist and philosopher, said, quote, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ, quote. Do not fail the test of time. Stay true to the Lord. Run the race with perseverance. Paul would write at the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. May that be our testimony too.
0: You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary has been teaching through the last several books of the Old Testament, also known as the Minor Prophets. These short books are powerful and reveal so much about your Creator and His love for the world. If you have any questions or would like to share a prayer request with us, Please contact us. You can reach us by calling 703-771-1500. Again, that number is 703-771-1500. You can also listen to more teachings in this series by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc, or just download our mobile app. That way you'll have biblical messages available to listen to whenever you want, wherever you are. Pastor Gary also has a companion resource available for this Minor Prophets series. You'll find it under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to meet you too. You're invited to join us this weekend at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg. We're meeting in person as well as online, and you can find out more on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in to Study the Minor Prophets, and we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection.
1: They say you're a wandering soul, that you've got no place to go, but still you know.